0: Amen. So 1 Samuel chapter 28 Pastor Wayman Mitchell uh, who, who is the founding pastor of our fellowship he told a story, a very intriguing story years ago he, when he got to Prescott and began to see revival happen and break out in that church lots of young people came in, it was uh, a part of the Jesus people movement and He says that after a period of time, I think it was maybe a couple of years uh, pastoring that church, he began to feel inadequate. There's so much going on in the church, uh, felt perhaps inexperienced and um, maybe even overwhelmed to some degree. And he was considering what he should do. Should he turn it over to a more experienced pastor or somebody else and leave the Prescott Church. So he was thinking about that and obviously praying about that and someone had spoken and said there's a prophetess in Phoenix. You could ring her and she might be able to give you some direction. Remember this is, this is a long time ago. This is 1970 something and before there was ever really a fellowship of churches. And so Pastor Mitchell said that he got that number and rang the woman in Phoenix. He's up uh, the hill in, in, in Prescott. Sorry, he rang the woman and as soon as she answers, she didn't, you know, there was no introduction. She just said, what you're thinking about doing is right before he even said who he was. It's time to leave and go on to other things before he even said anything. And it's interesting, uh, Pastor Mitchell felt the Holy Spirit in him say that's not of God. That's a familiar spirit. It is spiritual because how could she ever know who he was and what he was thinking about? It's spiritual. But he felt it was a familiar spirit. He put down the phone of his own testimony. He repented Of doing that and renounced the words of witchcraft over his life and ministry and saved the work of God from being derailed from all what we see today. By the means of somebody who's probably, I would say, a Pentecostal witch. In our text, we see a very strange story. A backslidden king, King Saul. A witch who specializes in necromancing or connecting with the dead to get some answers, supposedly, for the living. Let's have a look at the witch at Endor in 1 Samuel 28, verse 3. So that's an interesting topic for a Wednesday night. I'm here to keep you awake. Can you say amen? (laughs) (laughs) Wednesday night's a great night to be in church. If If you're not here, you're missing out. And I'm going to do a series on this and I've I've called it Overcoming Witchcraft. And we're going to look at a number of characters in the Bible. We're going to look at Balaam, the false prophet. We're going to look at Jezebel, the seductress. So we're going to have a look at this. Emmaus, the sorcerer. We're going to have a look at a number of these on Wednesday night. So let's read 1 Samuel 28 verse 3. The Bible says, Now Samuel had died and all Israel had lamented for him and buried him in Ramah, his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the spiritualists out of the land. Then the Philistines gathered together and came and encamped in Shuman. So Saul gathered all Israel together and they encamped in Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, neither by dreams or by the yom or by the prophets. Then Saul said to his servants, find me a woman who's a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, in fact, there is a woman who is a medium at Endor. So Saul disguised himself and put on other clothes, and he went, and two men with him, and they came to the woman by night. And he said, please conduct a seance for me and bring up for me the one that I shall name to you. Then the woman said to him, look, you know that what Saul has done, how he has cut off the mediums and the spiritualists from the land. Why then do you lay a snare for my life to cause me to die? And Saul swore to her by the Lord saying, as the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, bring up Samuel for me. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman spoke to Saul saying, why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. And the king said to her, do not be afraid. What did you see? And the woman said to Saul, I saw a spirit ascending out of the earth. And he said to her, what is his form? And she said, an old man is coming up and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel and he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed down. Now Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And Saul said, I am deeply distressed for the Philistines make war against me and God has departed from me and does not answer me anymore neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore, I've called you that you may reveal to me what I should do. Then Samuel said, so why do you ask me, seeing that the Lord has departed from you and has become your enemy? And the Lord has done for himself as he has spoken by me. For the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, David, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord, nor execute his Fierce wrath upon Amalek, but therefore the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, Israel moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with you into the hands of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. And the Lord shall also deliver the army of Israel into the hand of the Philistines, and immediately saw fell full length on the ground and was dreadfully afraid because of the words of Samuel and there was no strength in Emma, for he had eaten no food all day or all night. I want to have a look at the witch at Endor overcoming witchcraft for a moment. There's, firstly there's an ancient clash. See man is a spiritual being we know that being made in the image of God that man is a spiritual being and he's longing for a spiritual reality. You know, one of the most ancient uh, uh, quests has been man's fascination with the spiritual and the afterlife. You know, whether you see the Egyptians in their great elaborate preparations for, quote, the afterlife and their spiritual dimensions, this has been in many cultures or nearly all cultures, man desires also to receive spiritual help to gain some advantage or find favour in life, especially the agriculture to have favour with the rains or favour with crops or increase business and commerce. Man also desires power, to have power over others through spiritual means. Man also has a desire for knowledge, to know secrets and to understand mysteries. And so what we then see is a major clash here in the ancient world uh, in particular of how do you arrive at these destinations? What spiritual practices would nations and people uh, embark on? How does one connect to the spiritual or the supernatural? How does one get spiritual aid or even information? So this was an ancient quest and a question and then even I would say a spiritual battle between what is right and what is wrong. In the law of Moses, Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 9, God says when you come into the land, the Lord your God has given you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found amongst you anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire or one who practises witchcraft, a soothsayer, one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, one who conjures spells, a medium, a spiritualist, or one who calls up the dead. For all of these things are an abomination to the Lord. Because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out before you. So here is God saying to his people, when you come into the land... The promised land, you're not to do what these nations do. And they're involved in all of these spiritual practices. God says they're an abomination. They're not right. God does not uh, endorse them. He strictly outlaws these spiritual practices. Witchcraft, and we would say today, new age practices. He calls them with the strongest term, they're an abomination. Can anybody say amen? Amen. So where we are in our text, verse 7, The Bible says, amen, then Saul said to his servants, find me a woman who's a medium that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant says, in fact, there is a woman who's a medium uh, at Endor. God's God's word translation says, Saul told his officers, find me a woman who conjures up the dead, a necromancer. And I will go to her and ask for her services. And they said, there's a woman at Endor who conjures up the dead. So what is necromancing? The, the idea here is one who invokes the dead through uh, sorcery, um, Black magic, they go on to say, the dictionary says, a definition is someone who claims to communicate with the dead in order to discover what's going to happen in the future or who's, going, or who's involved in black magic. So it's a spiritual connection and especially uh, to conjure or to rise up the dead. So King Saul in our place is unable to hear from God. He's saying that he's trying to seek Uh, means to find out from God the prophets or the uh, uh, dreams or uh, the the Urim. uh, He mentions those things. We know that in uh, Old Testament days that someone like Daniel had incredible dream ministry. People went and Daniel was able to interpret the dreams of those who were in jail or interpreted dreams. uh, uh, That was part of his gifting. We see Joseph. uh, uh, We understand that as well. And the Urim was the priest uh, had the uh, divining stones by God and they would be able to give God's direction. We understand Samuel was the prophet under with Saul and he's now dead. So Saul now is not hearing from God. You say, why is he not hearing from God? He's anointed as king over God's people but he's been unfaithful to the Lord. He didn't keep God's Word. Uh, He was unfaithful to God's Word. And he's not hearing from God uh, uh, at this time in his life as he has in the past. And, you know, there's usually a reason for that. If you and I today are in a place and you haven't heard from God in a while, a long time, there's usually a reason. Let's have a look. Um, Verse 15 of our text, Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me to bring me up? And Saul answered, I'm deeply distressed for the Philistines make war and God has departed from me and does not answer me anymore by prophet or by dreams. So he's compromised, he's corrupted and I would say he's backslidden. Can a person backslide? Yes, they can. now because he can't hear from God he has now not a spiritual connection to the Lord God of creation the Father God in heaven he now turns to other spiritual avenues other spiritual means of or sources to get uh, spiritual help. Verse 7 find me a woman who's a medium that I may go and inquire of her or find me a woman who conjures up the dead uh, and I want you to ponder this for a moment and note well, Saul is now doing something that he possibly never dreamed he would. How do you say that? Or why do you say that, Pastor? Well, the Bible actually says, even our text, verse 3, Saul had put the mediums and the spiritualists out of the land. He'd banned them because he knew uh, the law of Moses. God says in the promised land, the land of Canaan, which is now the land of Israel, you're not to have those people. So at he, on his good uh, early days of fully following God, he put those things out. He said, you know what? They're not to be in the land. He banished them out of, I would say, conviction. And now he's at a place where he's seeking out a witch, a medium. A necromancer to try to get direction on what to do in life. Can I say to you that when we when we go down the road of compromise and sin, it always takes you further than you'd ever expect. Always go further. You would ask Saul when he put the decree out, put all the put all the uh, uh, the the mediums and the spirits, put them all out of the land, and and he would have said, Saul. Uh, one day you might need them. He goes, you've got to be kidding. I have the prophets. I have the the priest of the Lord. I have my own relationship with God. You've got to be kidding. But here he is. Because sin will always take you further than you expect. can secondly, then, at the necromancer, see, in the New Testament, there's a group of people, you know, two main groups of people, the the Pharisees were very well a prominent uh, religious sect. But there's also the Sadducees. And the Sadducees was, you know, a, a, a sect uh, in the Jewish religion. But one of, their, one of their belief structures was that there was no resurrection. And we know that because they came to Jesus one time. Remember when they came to Jesus? And, and they give a hypothetical. Be careful of hypotheticals. They come out in a hypothetical. So, you know, there's a woman amongst us. And, you know, let's tell a story. She married a guy and he died. And then she married a brother and he died. And she went through all seven of them. And then she died. That's a strange story. Can you say amen? And they go, who will she be in the resurrection? And the scripture marks, the Sadducees don't believe it. It was a gotcha question. They were just wanting to entrap Jesus, weren't they? But how many know he's smarter than them, these guys? It's not his first rodeo with religious people, is it? Right? And Jesus answers in Matthew chapter 22, verse 29. And Jesus said to them, you are mistaken, not knowing the scripture or the power of God. Good answer, Jesus. He goes on to say that In heaven or in the eternal life, there's no giving or taking in marriage like the angels of heaven. So it's kind of saying there's no marriage in heaven, and some people are saying, Thank God for that. (laughs) (laughs) My final escape plan, amen. All right. (laughs) Then Matthew 22, verse 32. Then he goes on to say, You know, this is the revelation of God. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jesus said, God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And he repeats this in Mark 12, verse 27. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Therefore, you are greatly mistaken. So what he's saying here, something very powerful. We serve a living God. And he's the God of the living. Let me read a few other scriptures. John 5 verse 21. And as the father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the son gives life to whom he wills. John eleven twenty five. 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Thank God for that. What does that mean? When you're born again, it really begins. It's a new birth, but listen, it begins to clock in eternal life. One day, if we don't go in the rapture, when we take our last breath or, you know, see our last vision, amen, of sight, and we pass into eternity, we pass from this life into the next. Anybody say amen? And God is the God of the living, He's the living God. And He's saying to these Sadducees, You're so far off. You don't know the scripture, you don't even know the power of God, the power of resurrection. You, you, you're so far off base. It says in John 10:10, 10, 10, thief comes. Not except to uh, steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life from that more abundantly. Our God we serve is a living God. He's the God of the living. So this is where laying that platform there, this is why God is against connecting to the dead. He's not the God, the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. And there's a number of references to necromancers or bone conjurers in the Bible And it specifically warns this was a Canaanite practice of divination from the dead. In the biblical record in Leviticus 19.31, it says in the um, English Standard Version, do not turn to mediums or necromancers, do not seek them out, so to make yourself unclean by them, for I am the Lord your God. He said you are defiled and you become unclean by going to them. You're a spiritual people, amen. Remember even the revelation of the Nazarite vow. The Nazarite vow that Samson took, and part of that was to keep away from dead bodies. This was an understanding of there's defilement there. And so it said, don't defile. It's an abomination that brings judgment. In Deuteronomy 18, it speaks about that, that if you're a necromancer, one who conjures the debt, God said, these are an abomination. And, and because of these abominations, the Lord will drive them out before you. It's also a place of demonic habitation in Matthew 8, 28. And when he came to the other side, the country of the Gerasenes, there met him, two demon-possessed men, coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass that way. Amen. In that arena, amen, there's a fascination with the dead. Amen. All this death metal, all this kind of dark stuff, this, 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 this is a demonic habitation. And that's where those demoniacs lived. In our text, the Bible says, then the woman says, whom shall I bring up? And he said, bring up Saul. Now later on in 1 Chronicles uh, 10 verse 13, the Bible says, so this is now at the end of Saul's life. So Saul died for his unfaithfulness, which he committed against the Lord because he did not keep the word of the Lord and also because he consulted a medium for guidance. So in the summation of his life, yes, there was disobedience and we knew about that, but then God summating his life and bringing it to a conclusion, but also he went to a necromancer. And it's saying here, this is wrong before God. It's interesting as you study this out, many Christian writers, reject the idea that humans can bring back spirits of the dead and they interpret such appearances as disguised demons, thus merging necromancy with demon demons, so summoning demons. So I can understand what they're saying here. This is where, on the whole, I think that's correct, but this is where our text is so unusual. Because God allowed Samuel to go and speak to Saul. It's very unusual. Someone said to me at breakfast, the woman here, she's surprised. If this is her job, to, in seances to conjure the dead, and if actually someone comes up, she's freaking out. <laughs> so it obviously is not normally happening. And in verse 12, and when the woman saw Saul, she cried out with a loud voice. But what I want to make a comment here in in verse 18 of our text, because death begets death as life begets life. Let me read in verse 18. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God or exercise his fierce wrath against Amalek. This is what Samuel's saying to King Saul. Before the Lord had done this thing as it is to you this day, moreover, the Lord will deliver Israel with you into the hands of the Philistines and by tomorrow you and your sons will be with me and the Lord will deliver the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. So what Samuel's saying here is tomorrow you're going to be dead. You and your sons. I'm telling you, death begets death. There's, there's a real lesson here. You go down this path, Saul, and actually you're you're opening doors to things that are very very unhealthy. Just as life begets life, death begets death. And God warns us about connecting with the dead in the spiritual realm a man outside of cross Leviticus 20 verse 27 uh, again the English Standard Version: A man or a woman who is a medium or a necromancer shall be put to death. Uh, they shall be stoned with stones, and their blood shall be upon them. It's a heavy judgment, but communicating with the dead in this arena is not right. I had a woman just I'm going I'm to bring it to a close in a minute in New Zealand. Her sister died tragically. She was in our church. She's a Maori woman. Uh, she was in our church. Her sister uh, uh, was a backslider. Sadly, went out partying. Um, got so drunk, she choked on her own vomit. As she's throwing up, and she died. I mean, no, that's tragic. Backslider, be careful. She died. Anyway, in the process of time, her sister, you know, goes. They in, in New Zealand. They put them in the marae, and uh, the family all gathers there. That's their their moldy kind of spirit house and they have the dead body there and they talk to the dead body for days. The lady in our church, when she came out of that experience, she lost her mind. She lost her mind. They locked her up in a mental house. I'm telling you, God doesn't want you to be talking to the dead for days and especially in the spirit house. She lost her mind. I would say, keep away from the occult, new age practices, seances channeling spiritual spiritualism, necromancy, trying to find out the future outside of God and the Word of God and secret information. God says death begets death." Now let's finally look at the big picture, the big picture. Many of us know, you know we've, we've been talking about viruses and epidemics, and you know it's like every news article. Huh. I mean, you get a bit tired, can you say, I mean, after a while. It's nearly been two years, but that's what, it is what it is. An epidemiologist, we never even knew who these people were. Now they're celebrities, aren't they? <laughs> anyway, way back in 1869, there was a lady named Mary Mullen, and she was uh, born in Northern Ireland, and she <clears throat> uh, came at 15 years old and immigrated to the United States and lived with her uncle and auntie for a time and worked as a maid and a cook for affluent families in New York. It's believed that she was born with typhoid because her mother was infected during pregnancy. She was asymptomatic. She had no symptoms. So from 1900 to 1907, she worked for eight families as a cook in New York City, and seven of those families uh, contracted typhoid. Uh, then it goes on. She went to another employee, and they got it as well. and In 1900, 1901, uh, she went, um, moved to Manhattan. Uh, family members there, there was eight family members, seven of them contracted it. Uh, then 1904, she was hired by a prosperous lawyer. Uh, to to work in his house and soon four of the seven servants in the house became ill and in the end they say this lady Mary Mullins, they, they they, they called her typhoid Mary infected 53 people. They actually locked her up at one stage and people stopped getting infected and then they released her and people started getting infected again. And The phrase typhoid Mary has become known as someone who's either knowingly or unknowingly spreads a disease or something undesirable. Everyone she came in contact with got ill or died. Do you know there's some people spiritually like this? Pastor Payne preached the sermon, Connect the Dots. I think that was a conference, wasn't it? powerful sermon. Do you know, as the church grows and as you see the development in the book of Acts, you see that there's an arm wrestle in the spiritual arena, that there's those that traffic in the supernatural outside of the spirit of God, like Simon the sorcerer, Acts 8, like the woman with the spirit of divination, Acts 16. Like Jezebel in Revelation chapter 2, verse 20 and 23. So you see, they come into the church like a fifth column and begin to infect other people. I had a service, an interesting service one time, and this is a period of time ago. I had an evangelist, and he's just standing there and he's scanning the congregation, and he saw a certain woman, and he's And they said, who's that? And I said, well, you know, don't give a word to her. I said that because, you know, I I had my alarm bells about her. And he goes, Pastor, I'm telling you, I, 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 I wasn't planning to. I believe she's a necromancer. She's a witch. And I said, well, that's interesting because that's kind of what I thought as well. So as churches begin to grow and develop, there's, there's different dimensions here. and We want to be mindful of that. This is throughout the Old Testament and New Testament record. So I want to bring it to a close. We have a couple of minutes. A bringer of life. So what does the church do? How does the church respond? And we'll look at different biblical examples next few Wednesdays. But firstly, there's a call to repent. If you're involved in spiritual activity outside of Scripture, seances, channeling, spiritualism, if you're a Pentecostal witch, you need to repent. You need to repent. And some of our people that are from non-white European countries, you know even more what I'm talking about because this is rampant in your country. It's kind of a little bit more under the covers here, isn't it? There's a call to repent. I want to tell you, praying to dead saints and dead relatives is not right. Dare I say, praying to Mary is not right. Can you say "Man, That's not right. God has forbidden that some of our Asian cultures, and we love those folks, but you know, you pray to dead dead relatives. It's not right. You worship dead relatives. I'm telling you, it's not right. God has forbidden. We need to repent of that. Then, secondly, amen, in Revelation 2 verse 20, nevertheless, I have a few things against you. You've allowed that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants. And so, what Jesus is saying is the church can't allow this to happen the church can't allow this to happen we need to say this is not right the pastor's job he's a gatekeeper a shepherd and amen keep that out and defend the flock amen and that's exactly what we do and we should do The Bible says in Psalm 23, verse 4, Yea, I walk through the valley of shadow of death. I will fear no evil, the good shepherd, because you are with me, your rod and staff comfort me. You know, the good shepherd should have a rod and a staff. And and the rod is there is to to deal with the wolf. That's what it's there for, the Bible says. That comforts every believer because the house of God, amen, needs to be a place of life and blessing. And finally, we need to seek the living God. Isaiah 8:19. And when they say to you, seek those who are mediums and wizards and whisperers and mutterers, should you not a people seek their God? Should you seek the dead on behalf of the living? God here is rebuking them saying, what are you doing? I'm a living real God. You can have access to me. I can help you, can you say amen? I can direct. I can give you guidance. I can give you insight. I can give you spiritual connection. We serve a living God, a living relationship. We have a living faith. The problem is is when people lose their connection to Christ and God. Just like Saul. And they start looking for this and other places. This is what Saul did. So the answer is, you can renew. If God's not speaking to you, or if you haven't heard from him in a long, long time, you hear people from time to time, Pastor, I'm just not getting fed. Or well, the person right next to you is getting fed. They're actually getting fed. They're, they're, they're pretty large. <laughs> Spiritually. you're not hearing from God. Maybe somebody death begets death. Typhoid Mary, whoever she got around, she just infected. And to some degree, you know, it was a strange situation. But on the same side of the other side of the equation, life begets life. When people have the life of God and Christ, whoever they get around just begins to bring life, don't they? And our God is the God of the living, a living relationship and a living faith. What about you tonight? Do you have that living vital relationship with your God? Where do you go for guidance and direction? Where do you go for that spiritual connection that you need? Where do you go for answers? Where do you go for empowerment to empower yourself? The Bible says there's a right way and there's a wrong way. That's the lesson that we learn from the witch at Endor and from Saul. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer tonight.